All right. Well, I am excited to share this message this morning because I've been trying to preach it for over a month, but things kept getting in the in the way. Uh, I was home with the kids sick a month ago when I was supposed to share this, and then you guys all know last week we had to postpone service. So here we go. This is a delayed sermon, but I'm excited. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the newness of a new year. We know that you're beyond time, but, but we'll, we're choosing in this month to recognize that we can, we can learn fresh, that we can learn something new, that, that your mercy is new every day and your mercy is new for 2019, God. Lord, I ask that you speak through my thoughts and through my words. Thank you, Jesus, that, that your word is proclaimed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I hope you guys are prepared for a little bit of a difficult sermon, or challenging, rather. And I hope you're okay with me being a little vulnerable and being a little real. Not that I'm usually not, but (laughs) even more so because I have the mic. So I hope you guys are ready for this. Um, When David asked me to preach a while ago, when it was going to be my turn, um... I was like, all right, Lord, what should I preach about? And then before I even finished that question, it was like, boom, here you go. And I was like, but that's what you're working on with me right now. He goes, nope, this is what I want you to talk about. So I was like, okay, all right, here, here it goes. So at the very least, I'm encouraging myself with this message, but I hope it challenges and encourages you guys too. So a while ago, David and I were having a reflective conversation in which I was crying. This happens a lot. Um, (laughs) I found myself admitting, not because of David, just me being emotional, whatever, um, just to clarify. And I found myself having a little pity party. I was feeling not satisfied and really disappointed with who I was in that season. And here's why. Okay, I felt like I had come a long way from being the, the super open, super generous, super like self-sacrificing, giving, and happy person that I used to be. Now, of course, I was still those things. Like, I internally noticed this shift. It may not have been super obvious on the outside. But I was really in this moment like, I don't like this. Like, this is not the real Sarah. Like, I'm more closed. I'm, more, I'm not as prone to give. Um, so normally you guys, you guys all know me, like my history, my history of who I am, like I like to give, I, I like to be thoughtful and, and to give and see how I can reach out to people and encourage them and give gifts and whatever. But I had felt myself drifting. And when I thought about it, it was around the time that we were launching Skywater and it was around the time that were things are really ramping up that I was still giving, still giving, still giving, still like putting myself last, giving out. But something shifted where all of a sudden I started asking these questions like, hey, when's it my turn? Like, hey, what am I getting out of this? Hey, where's the fruit coming out of this? Like, am I, what's in it for me? And those questions had never before entered my mind. It was just like, I'm giving, I'm loving people, whatever. But these thoughts kept creeping in. And I noticed that at that start of that, and of course I didn't do anything about it, and I let it continue and continue, and all of a sudden, me being joyful to give and excited and whatever, all of a sudden turned into me being reluctant 
and feeling like I was forced, even when I was volunteering, even when I was smiling, even when I was happy, I just felt forced, and I didn't want to do it in my heart, just being real. And so David and I have this conversation. I'm like, I don't like who I am. And I was like, why am I like this? Like, what happened? Like, this is not me. I, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to be feeling grudging when I'm giving or feeling bitter. Like, that's not who I am. That's not who God called me to be. Okay? So flashback to that conversation. In my, in my moment, like, I take a breath from crying, and the Holy Spirit's like, ding, thank you for asking me. And he showed me. Right? He, in his mercy, he showed me. I was actually afraid of giving of myself to people. I was afraid of loving unconditionally. And that was such a huge thing. Like, I literally just stopped and pondered that the rest of the evening. Because I was like, oh my gosh, what? And so from that moment a while ago when we had this conversation... That has spurred me on towards finding out, okay, how did this get here? And then it's shown me freedom from that, and that's the journey that I want to share with you guys this morning, okay? The freedom of that and the honesty of it and everything, okay? Um, so we are spending a lot of time in John and First John today, so we're going to jump into First John 4, verse 7. First John 4, 7. Usually fear enters after experiencing hurt or a trauma or something disappointing. I mean, a hurt can be a disappointment or it can be something as extreme as a trauma. But then fear enters. It's like the body's psychological way of protecting itself. I was hurt. I'm going to take a step back from that and I'm not going to do that again because I was hurt. Okay? It's, it's a defense mechanism. Okay? The problem is that it can cause us to close our hearts. And so the title of today's sermon is The Danger of a Closed Heart. So let's, let's begin. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Notice the repetition. He's trying to hammer a point home here. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
I wanted to provide some context for that verse that I was getting to at the end, that last one about no fear, okay? Here's the thing. There's some truths that I'm going to be sharing that you guys, I'm sure, have all heard, but it's just good to refresh ourselves within the context of, of this, you know, making sure our hearts are not closed for the Lord and closed to others. So love and fear are mutually exclusive. They are two ends of a line. They cancel each other out, if you will, okay? Um, Think of it this way, and this is one of the first sermons I heard from Pastor Jamie Van Gelder um, when I first started attending his church a while ago, so I'm borrowing the phrasing from him, but he says, okay, darkness is the absence of light, okay? It's not that the light's not powerful enough if there's darkness in a room, it's just that the light's not turned on. Pretty straightforward. Thanks for that physics lesson, Sarah. <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. It's, it's not that light's not powerful enough. It's that it's not on. So if we're comparing fear and love to dark and light, fear is only allowed to thrive in a place where love has not been turned on or love has not been allowed to fully flood and enter. Okay? So... What does this fear has to do with punishment business? Like, perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Well, looking things up in word studies, like I do, because it's my favorite thing, um, this punishment refers to the lack of enjoyment of love, or it refers to a slavish fear of sin. Slavish, like you are bound to it, like you are unredeemed or forced, yep. But what does this life sound like? You're not experiencing the love of God. You're being chained to sin. You're in constant fear. Does that sound like a redeemed life? No. But yet, we are believers. Our lives have been redeemed. We're saved. But yet, we can still experience fear. We can still experience life as if we are unredeemed, as if the Lord's love is not washing over us. And that's kind of stupid, you guys. Like, I'm talking to myself here. We are saved, and yet if we are choosing, even subconsciously, to live in fear, we're living just like the world without a redeemer. That's not okay. Okay? The result of our lives is going to just, well, I'm going to tell you about it. (laughs) Here's the result of our lives, okay? If we allow this fear, specifically this fear of giving out and loving, which again, is speaking to me, but may speak to you as well this morning, okay? Here's what happens. Um, 1 John 3, 14 through 20. Just a little bit backwards here. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. In other words, we, we know that we live a redeemed life because we love the brothers. And by brothers, I just want you guys to think fellow humans, okay? Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed, a.k.a. action, and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Isn't it interesting in these passages that we're reading and in others, there's no in-between. It's like, if you're irritated at your brother, that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's you either love them or you're hating them. Now, I know everyone's like, well, there's, kingdom can't be so extreme. We, like, life is in extremes. Well, sometimes it is, especially in the kingdom. Like, Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's an extreme. But if it wasn't that way, then there would be no way to heaven. Do you guys hear this? If there is only extremes in love versus fear, it's for a reason. It's because in the middle, that's the unredeemed life that this world is spiraling in and dealing with. Okay? So that's why God is calling us to remove fear from our lives. And it's not a one-time thing, you guys. I've been saved for a long time. And this cropped up, and now I'm dealing with it. I'm sure other things will crop up. Fears will come in again. Not that I'm declaring it, but just saying life, and I'll deal with it then. I'll grow and I'll deal with it. So don't feel bad if you're like, oh gosh, it's not a one-time thing. It's a constant cycle because that is life. Okay, let's get back to the verse here. Sorry, rabbit trail. Okay, your heart is where mercy resides. Okay, that is the place where you feel compassion, where you feel mercy, where you feel that tug, like I want to help someone. Oh, I feel bad. Let me help them. Let me do something. Okay, so it says, he who sees a brother in need and closes his heart against him, okay? This word close means to shut, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Glad you clarified that this morning. <laughs> okay, but next level, okay, to shut up what? Okay, we're closing our heart. Like, this is a cute Christian symbol. But what does this mean? About to tell you. Here we go. So to close is to shut, but what are we shutting? What are we closing our heart to, okay? When I studied this out, even after the Lord told me what I was speaking on, I was like, oh my gosh, so here we go. To close your heart is to shut up compassion. Whoosh, close the door. It is to obstruct the entrance of the kingdom of God. Not my words, Vine's Dictionary to obstruct the entrance of the kingdom of God. We have that power. And that's scary, but that's also encouraging. Okay? So Jesus is in physical form. Yes, he's alive and well today. Amen? Okay, but he's not on this earth. He's up in heaven. So how is the kingdom being expanded on this earth? How, how is his kingdom... How are people being healed? How are people being saved? How are people being set free? Through us, because why? We are hosting his presence. We are the conduits to the kingdom on earth. So if we close our heart to the kingdom in fear, even if we're defending ourselves, because it just we're humans, it happens, we stop that flow, first of all, to our own lives, which can make us feel unredeemed because then we spiral into fear and then we get into not wanting to give and we just get begrudging and bitter. So that sucks. But that's not the main important point here is when we close our heart. Like, yes, our life is affected. But the bigger issue is, how is the world supposed to have the kingdom if we're sitting over here like, I don't want to give? Like, 
what am I getting out of this, God? Like, this is just my own internal, just being honest with you guys. What am I getting out of this? Like, why? What's the purpose? Whatever. It's so selfish. It is so selfish. Because the world is dying and in fear. They're in turmoil. They're suffering from diseases and sickness. They're suffering from families being broken. They're suffering from communities just not knowing how to function because they need what we have. We are the solution, okay? Not the government, never the government, okay? Not any political business, not any nation's laws. It is Jesus, it is him in us. Okay, that is why it was just so like, the Holy Spirit was just like on my forehead, like, hello, you have closed your heart because you're afraid. Well, what am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of not being recognized. I'm afraid of wasting my time. I'm afraid of people not recognizing me, me giving out and things not being returned. Well, at the end of the day, who cares? Like, this is me talking to me, you guys. When people out there need Jesus, they need the kingdom. And I'm sitting over here like, what am I going to get out of this, God? No, you guys, we're called to that next level. Now, I know I'm speaking to a super generous group. You guys, I've never met more generous people than Skywater, than you guys who are in this room. So don't feel like, like I want you guys to know this is my process, but I also know we can all reach a next level of giving, reach a next level of living a life free from fear, okay? I want to end with John, well, continue, I guess. We'll see. (laughs) John 15. Again, we're staying in John, the love apostle. John 15, verse 1. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, here's, here's where I found where I started to go downhill in all of my giving, in all of my self-sacrificing and reaching out. Okay, why did those thoughts start coming where they never had before? Like, what's in it for me? When is it my turn? When do I get a break day? Blah, blah. Those questions only started coming because I realized I had been giving in my own strength. I had been doing it just, Sarah does it. Like, she can do it. She's strong and stubborn. Let's go, which I am, but still. (laughs) But my strength can only go so far because I'm human, okay? And because I was giving out of my own strength, and not abiding in the Lord. And I noticed when my relationship with him started to wane, these questions started to come up. Like it was, looking back on it, of course, it's easy to see, but in the moment, you're just like, why, what's happening to my life, okay? 
So here's abiding, to continue to be present. Just being present with him, realizing when you are serving and loving others, what he calls us to, reaching out, healing people, giving people emotional support, helping families, whatever, giving money, whatever, we shouldn't do it apart from him. Even if we physically can do it in our own strength, which a lot of us can, that's not the point. It's this weird paradigm shift, like, I've called you to give to, my, to give to the world, but I need you to do it with my strength. That's what Jesus is saying, okay? Because then, as we just read, then we'll bear fruit, because we are the branch, and the branches are the ones that have fruit on trees, okay? He's giving us life, we're giving out, and the fruit just happens, then we don't even have to ask the questions. What am I getting out of this? Like, where's the result? Like, is there anything good happening out of what I'm doing? Those questions don't even matter because we're not being drained. He's giving us life, and we're giving out of that life in abundance. You guys all know the It's a Wonderful Life classic movie, yes? I think it's 75 years old this year, something like that. Um... So I watch that movie every, every year around the holidays. It's a good feel-good movie, okay? But I'm going to tie it into the sermon, so watch this. Okay, George Bailey, main character. You guys know the, the gist. He lived his whole life giving in a self-sacrificing way. He put away his dreams. He pushed aside his dreams to go to college, to travel, to get out of his town because he was helping his family. He was helping the community. He was helping keep evil at bay. And he transformed his town. Okay? Yet, we all know this, at the end, he became so close-hearted and so bitter that he wanted to end it all. Okay? But we look at the town, and he, he, like, everyone loves him. He's awesome. But yet, he was asking these same questions. What am I getting out of this? My dreams have been pushed aside. And for what? Like, the bank's going to take all my money. Like, it's over. It's a disaster. Okay? So what happened? Well, that's where Clarence comes in, okay? But he had revelation of the impact that he was making because he saw what the town would have been like without him. And he realized all of my giving, all my sacrificing, like I just didn't see the fruit that was there. It was right in front of me and I didn't see it, okay? But then what happened further than that? When he was in true need, the community came back and they gave back to him in abundance and he was taken care of, okay? So it wasn't just a, like, buck up, George. Like, he actually got what he needed in the end, okay? And I believe that maybe he was able to use some of that money to fulfill some of his dreams, maybe go to college, maybe travel, because they gave him more than he needed, okay? Here's the thing. He could have lived a much more joyful life had he been operating, and if this was a real story, had he been operating in the Lord's strength, in the Lord's grace. He was doing it by himself, like, I have to, I have to, whatever, which is good, but he was just getting crankier as the movie went on, and you feel bad for his kids at the end. You're like, man, what a Scrooge, like, quit this. He could have avoided all that had he not closed his heart to giving had he not allowed that fear of what what more could people take from him away if he hadn't closed his heart his life would have gone at least i believe on a better trajectory okay 
So how did I break myself from that fear of giving, of like things being, like my time and energy being taken from me? How did I get rid of that fear? Well, the first thing was to recognize that it was there. Like that was a big revelation in and of itself. Like I have stopped wanting to give or joyfully giving because I'm afraid of what more will be taken from me, okay? Okay, but that was the first piece. What really helped me pound that first like notch in the door to get that door open was to act generously and to do so to someone who could not repay me. So um, I don't remember how long ago this was, but um, so since then, okay, I um, one of my friends recently had a baby, and so I was like, hey, messenger, like, hey, can I go bring you a meal? Can I come drop it off? She's like, sure, and we set up a time, and let me tell you, this wasn't all roses and like, yay, I'm giving again, <laughs> like, because it was a lot of effort. I had to get a babysitter to watch the kids, because you don't bring a two-year-old when there's a newborn around, <laughs> like, no, don't do that. You know, you have to plan for the groceries, you have to plan time, all this, and I was starting to get into that old habit again, like, oh my gosh, taking my time away, what is this? But then once I actually got out the door, dropped off the meal, encouraged her, had a short and sweet visit, I noticed since then, like it wasn't this life transformation meeting, I gave to her, she couldn't repay me, but that's the point. Like I needed to give in a way that someone couldn't give back to me at that time. Since then, that was like my first fist in the door to open my heart, I have noticed that it's become more automatic for me and those negative thoughts and questionings have stopped. Okay, I have been intentionally seeking out the troubled kids in my classroom, whereas before I had noticed, I had just been like, oh, stay away from me, like go sit on the other side of the room, I don't want to deal with you today. So for example, just this last week, one of my students walked in just in a fury and she carried such an oppressive atmosphere with her into my room. I was like, whoa, what's going on with you? And she was just angry and just uh, yelling. So when we had our silent read time at the first 10 minutes of class, I called her over, had her sit next to me, and I was just talking to her. Hey, what's going on? Like, what's the deal with you today? Like, not accusing, just like, hey. She talked, I empathetically listened, even though I didn't agree with a lot of why she was angry, okay? Just letting her process. And by the end of class, even when I got up to do my lesson and whatever, she still sat at my desk. By the end of class, when I said goodbye, she was calm. She was still angry because I didn't get her saved while sitting next to my desk, okay? But she was in a more peaceful place, and she left, and the atmosphere had totally changed because I had taken that time to give, even if I didn't want to, okay? But here's the point. The point is I had opened my heart again. The kingdom is allowed to to flow through me again, and start impacting people. And I wasn't feeling like, oh, I have to do this. Let me get my daily quota of giving to people. Like, even at home, I've become more patient and more joyful. And I'm, I'm just not thinking about, how is this affecting me? And what can I get out of this? Like, I've stopped that because fear is so inwardly focused. Fear is so selfishly based. So once I've removed that, I have been able to, like, look up from looking down at myself and actually see the world, and actually see my coworkers and students, and see my friends, and see Skywater, and see my family, and others, 
as opportunities to bless and opportunities to give the kingdom instead of what can they take from me. Okay, it's such a shift, you guys. Like, just the freedom of not having that burden of those questions. And that's the Lord. That's the redeemed life he wants for us is to say, how can I give? What can I give? You know, what does generosity and unconditional love mean? It's not always money. Like, that's a fraction of it. Like, giving someone money. Great. Honestly, I think time is more valuable. Let me, let me sit down and counsel someone. You know, let me take you shopping because you need something. Let me drop groceries off at your door, right? We all have the capacity, no matter our financial status, no matter how busy we are or aren't, to give, to open our hearts and allow the kingdom of God to flow through us, okay? We owe it to this world. We owe it to Jesus to keep our hearts open because it's not about us, okay? These communities and people that we interact with every day, they need Jesus. And they're not going to get him if we're having a pity party like I had been for a while. (laughs) They're not going to get him by just us being like, whatever, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? So as as we wrap up today, um, I had kind of a little activation, I guess. Um, What I want you guys to do, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to pause and ask the Holy Spirit if we have a closed heart, Okay, if we've closed our hearts due to fear, and it could be fear for a number of reasons. It wouldn't have to necessarily be fear like I was experiencing, fear of giving. Okay, um, And then we're going to, I'll lead you guys in a prayer after that. Okay, So let's do this. Why don't you guys go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You guys just internally answer them honestly. Okay, So here are some signs of a closed heart. Are you reluctant to give of your time or energy when someone asks you to? Do you often feel burned out and that you don't have time for anyone because you don't have time for yourself? Do you grumble and complain when you're volunteering for something that you once were excited about? Do you find yourself too busy to talk to or help your friends or people who need you? Are you selfish with your time and keeping too tight of a boundary with other people? Any of these questions, folks, leads us to, okay, maybe you do have a closed heart. Maybe it's closed off due to fear. So what I want you guys to do is repeat after me. We're going to pray. And I believe that with this revelation, just like what happened with me, the Holy Spirit gives you that power to break open that door and to not close it again. The world needs us to have it open. All right. So repeat after me. Jesus, I repent for having a closed heart. Thank you for revealing that you are love itself. And your love casts out fear. I repent for allowing that fear into my heart. I ask for you to pour your love in me afresh. Speak to me on what your love is. 
I choose to live a life of love. I choose to let your kingdom flow through me so that I can reach the world for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for your revelation to your people, for your conviction, but your revelation that comes afterwards. Lord, I ask that you would speak to them vividly this week on ways that they can step out to open that door of their heart, ways that they can kick down that fear that had been keeping hearts closed. God, I thank you that you give them specific instances, that you bring people to them who need your kingdom, who need what they can give, so that we can practice this week giving at that next level, so that we can practice reaching out with your kingdom to our communities, to the people that you've placed in our influence. Lord, I thank you for this new year. I thank you for a fresh revelation. God, you, you don't say new things. You have said things from the beginning, and you'll continue to say them. But I thank you that you reveal new truths to us, things that we can understand at a new level, God. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Amen.